Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 22 of Revelation chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. We've been looking at the sun, moon, and stars as they're discussed here in these verses, and we have seen in previous studies that God created the celestial bodies, the lights of the heavens, the sun, moon, and stars. Um, First of all, uh, he created them as timekeepers for times and seasons, and the world operates according to um, the course set by these timekeepers that were established at the very beginning of the creation. We continue to keep track of time, 24 hours in a day, the length of a month, the length of a year, according to the movements of these heavenly bodies. And we also saw from Psalm 19 that God created these things, the the great light of the sun to rule the day and the lesser lights of the moon and the stars to rule the night. He created them in order to declare his glory, to testify and witness to all mankind, regardless of language. It, it is a testimony that transcends the, the language barrier, and it witnesses to each individual under the sun, to each person that is stationed upon the earth as they gaze up into the sky above, that there is a God, and He is magnificent. It it gives glory to God, and this glory that is um, given to the Lord is on a daily basis. As the sun shines down upon the earth and the moon and the stars enlighten the night sky. And we've also um, seen that God has a spiritual dimension, a spiritual level of meaning, concerning these things, and we began to look at the sun in our last study. And let's read again, Psalm 84, Psalm 84, and verse 11. For Jehovah God is a sun and shield. Jehovah will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Jehovah God is a sun and shield. And this is the identical word to the word sun in Genesis 1, when God created the sun to lighten the earth. And, of course, we can see that God is defining the spiritual meaning of the sun. It is a type and a figure of God himself. And and since God is light, and his word is light, and the Lord Jesus is the uh, light of the world, according uh, to the Gospel of John, 
Well, it's, it's very clear why God would choose the Son as an example, as a figure of Himself. The Son shines light, uh, on all the inhabitants of the earth. The Son is necessary for life to exist on earth, all life. Um, no life can exist without the brightness of the sun. And, and so God, uh, created the sun with, of course, the, the full knowledge that it would be a figure of himself. Now, there's another verse in the Old Testament that also lets us know that we're correct in understanding that the sun is a type and figure of the Lord, and that's in Malachi in chapter 4. It says there in Malachi 4, verse 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Here the Lord is called the Son of righteousness, and it's not S-O-N, but S-U-N. It's the same word that was in Psalm 84.11 and the same word that's often translated as the Son, the literal Son. And and uh, w- what we're going to do, because we want to be clear about this, is we're going to look at several more verses that will uh, prove beyond any doubt that the Son identifies with God, it identifies with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is eternal God. And then, following that, we'll look at the moon, and we'll see that the moon also has a spiritual meaning, and the spiritual meaning of the moon relates or identifies with the Word of God or the Law of God, the Bible. And then we'll look at the stars, and, uh, well, the stars are a bit more complicated and and we'll look at all of the necessary verses to help us understand the spiritual meaning of the stars. And then we'll come back to our verse in Revelation, in verse 12 and, and 13 and 14, and we'll try to put it all together and see what God is telling us. But let's begin with looking at a few more verses concerning the sun. In Matthew chapter 17, we uh, read, beginning in verse 1, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. This is known as the Mount of Transfiguration in um, theological commentaries. That's normally what it's called. And here we see the Lord Jesus Christ's face did shine as the sun. And God picks his words very carefully. Uh, he, he chose the shining of the sun because the sun represents the Lord God. And, and so does Christ. Christ is the uh, everlasting Father, He is eternal God. Also, in Revelation chapter 1, in Revelation 1, we're going to look at um, a few verses in the book of Revelation, beginning with Revelation 1, verse 16, 
which says, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when we look at the context, we realize that this is referring to the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the one uh, who uh, has the seven stars in his right hand and his countenance as the sun shining or shineth in his strength. Again, Christ is connected to the shining of the sun. In Revelation chapter 10, now we're helped by all these other verses uh, to identify who's in view here. In Revelation 10 verse 1, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. The word angel can um, also be understood as messenger. And this mighty messenger is none other than Jesus. He is the messenger of the covenant, according to the book of Malachi. And he is coming down from heaven, and it goes on to say, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. As soon as we see the reference to his face as the sun, well, we have the other verses that we just read in Revelation 1.16 and in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration to help us understand and to pinpoint this this mighty angel or messenger as Christ. And, and that's how we come to gain understanding in the Bible by comparing Scripture with Scripture. God begins to define a term, and then in some places, He does not define that term. He leaves it open-ended. And, and yet, if we've looked elsewhere, if we've checked the other passages, we realize who God is talking about. And, and that's what God expects and demands of the Bible student that we will have done our homework and we will have searched the scriptures concerning um, the, the word that we're looking at. Well, uh, continuing on in Revelation chapter 12, it says in verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. God goes on to tell us more information about this woman in verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Now, um, soon after, um, Satan, the dragon, is cast out of heaven and he then begins to persecute the woman. It says in Revelation 12, verse 13, And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time, 
from the face of the serpent. And, and then it continues on. And when we take into consideration everything this chapter is saying, we realize the woman is the body of believers. The believers that were within the nation of Israel, um, that brought forth the man-child, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he came of the tribe of Judah, and then the believers who um, would be in the churches and congregations after Christ had gone into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And then uh, Satan came down to earth to persecute the woman that had brought forth the man-child, the, the true believers within the churches and congregations as he pursued them. But God gave the woman wings of a great eagle that she would fly into the wilderness and and that pointed to the entire New Testament era. And 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 so the woman that's in view in Revelation twelve verse one, this great wonder in heaven that the Lord reveals to the Apostle John is clothed with the sun. Now uh, we we understand the true believers, God's elect, are clothed, and whenever the Bible speaks of that, with the righteousness of Christ, the fine linen of the saints is his righteousness, the fine white linen that uh, the book of Revelation will later talk about in chapter 19. We are um, clothed with the obedience of Christ and the work that he performed in taking our sins upon himself, if we're a child of God and paying the penalty for them, this is our covering for our sin. And and God here uses another figure of speech. We're clothed with the Son because the Son identifies completely with God, completely with Christ, and it is our covering, because he is our covering, and the moon under her feet. Now, uh, Lord willing, in our next study, we'll look at the moon a little closer, and we'll see that it represents the law of God, the word of God. The whole Bible is God's law book, and every scripture is a law. And yet this law no longer condemns the elect people of God, because our sins have been paid for, the demands of the law have been satisfied, and and therefore we're not under the law, but notice the moon is under the woman's feet, the true believers. The, there is no wrath, no condemnation that the law of God pronounces upon the believer. And then finally, and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. And the crown, as God uh, speaks of a crown in the Bible, he, he refers to a crown of grace. And the crown normally identifies with salvation. And here, the crown is of 12 stars. It, it is representative of the fullness of all the believers. This woman represents the Old Testament believers because she brings forth the man-child, and she represents the New Testament believers because she flees 
from the dragon after the man-child is put forth and he seeks to persecute her. So she is a representation of the fullness of all of God's elect. And again, though, as we're looking at the sun right now, the sun we can see is continuing to hold that type of pointing to the Lord Jesus. Now, after looking at these verses, and there's other verses we could look at too that would strengthen the idea, strengthen what we've learned, that the Son is a representation of eternal God, especially as it shines in its brilliance, that once we have this um, this understanding, once God has granted us the spiritual insight to recognize the Son is a type and a figure of eternal God of the Lord Jesus. Then, when we read verses such as we read in Matthew chapter 24, there is a far greater impact upon us. Now, of course, the impact, it doesn't register when people don't approach the Bible in a correct manner, when when they're trained to just take the plain, literal meaning of Scripture and look for no other, when uh, they're looking for the moral teaching uh, and and the uh, practical application, and they're not looking for the deeper gospel that God has hidden in His Word, then they're just going to miss this. They're They're not going to recognize what God is saying at all. But in Matthew 24, when God says in verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Well, now, what are we to think? As we're following the Bible's methodology, we're following God's teaching. You know, God is the one who tells us that Christ spoke in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak. God is the one who has instructed us to, again and again, look for the spiritual, and and don't settle for the fleshly as even when Jesus was seemingly having um, a regular conversation with the disciples, and he mentioned the leaven of the Pharisees, and the disciples' reason, it is because we have taken no bread, and Christ rebuked them and admonished them, that how is it that they didn't understand that he referred to the doctrine of the Pharisees, the leaven which you would use for bread, had a spiritual application, even in casual conversation, when Christ had not um, uh, put them on notice by saying that he was speaking in parables. It was just general talk, and yet he was speaking in parables. And he is the Word of God. The, the whole Bible, really, is embodied in the Lord Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. And when he spoke in parables, and without a parable he did not speak, he was instructing all 
on how to understand the Word of God, the Bible. But, of course, many do not have ears to hear. But, and, and so they miss what God is saying in Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. Now the sun, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He is the sun of righteousness that arises with healing in his wings. He is the one whose countenance shines with the brilliance of the sun. How can the sun be darkened? And, and what does that mean? Oh, uh, the, the natural mind will say, oh, this is just telling us that on the last day, the end of the world, God is going to darken the sun. That sun you see up there in the heavens, that'll just be dark. Well, if that's so, then why does Mark 13, verse 24, tell us, But in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Here, Mark thirteen twenty four is revealing that there is a period of days, those days after that tribulation in which the sun is darkened and the moon's not giving her light. And, well, well, first of all, we learn that God created the sun, moon, and stars as timekeepers to keep track of times and seasons and days and weeks and months and years. Well, if the sun is dark and the moon is not giving her light and the stars have fallen, that would mean there is no more timekeepers. Therefore, there can be no more day. And yet God is using the language of time. In those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and immediately we're put on guard. Oh, he's not talking about the literal sun, or the literal moon, or the literal stars. It must be what they represent. It must be the deeper spiritual meaning of those things. But wait. The sun represents God and the light of God, the light of the gospel. How can God put out the light of, of the gospel, the light of Christ from the world over the, the course of, of days? How is that possible? And then when we read Luke 21, we find confirmation that it is not literal. In Luke 21, 25, which is the parallel chapter to both Matthew 24 and to Mark chapter 13, it says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Well, tell me now, if the sun is dark and the moon is not giving her light and the stars are falling... And Revelation 6 tells us they're falling to earth. Obviously, if these things were happening, the world would be destroyed immediately. The the absence of the sun would wreak havoc upon the earth. And, and the stars falling, if even one star fell anywhere near the earth, it would destroy the earth in a moment. And, and so we... 
we are forced to understand by the Bible, by its language, and by this statement, there shall be signs in the sun. Of course, if all those things are happening, that's not a sign. That would actually be the end of all things. But a sign, according to the Bible, and according to the Lord Jesus, you do not look outwardly. You do not look for um, something in the sky. But no, uh, the only sign that will be given to this evil generation is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And in order to discover what the sign was of the prophet Jonah, you have to turn to the book of Jonah in the Bible and read it. That is, God is saying that in order to receive a legitimate biblical sign, you must find it within the word of God, the Bible, and nowhere else. There is no other sign. And it so happens that in these days after that tribulation, that's exactly where we are in time, according to God's timetable of times and seasons that his word reveals to us, it so happens that since we have passed the tribulation, we are living in those days after that tribulation, in other words, that the Bible has revealed that the sun is dark, and the moon is not giving her light, and the stars have fallen. And therefore, we see the sign of the Son of Man. We see the signs in the sun, and in the moon, and the stars. Everything now is in agreement. Everything fits and harmonizes together. We have a correct understanding of what God is telling us, when he speaks of the sun being darkened immediately after the tribulation of those days.